Rebecca, keep that. But I want to know what Emily thought was happening. I wasn't sure what was happening. I thought we were going to play a game. I wasn't sure because Rebecca got excited and then it started counting down. And I was like, I I was trying to catch whatever weird thing she was going to suggest because it was going to be a terrible idea seven times out of ten. Caleb! That's a 300 batting average. That's really good. That's really solid. That's more often than my ideas are good. That's absolutely true. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Caleb. I'm Rebecca. I'm Emily. I am simply here to correct Junior Bible Quiz. (laughs) Okay, uh, Emily, your idea of you should just get the Junior Bible Quiz box and we should answer Junior Bible Quiz questions. Um, Not a bad idea. Yeah, if ChatGPT fails or... Or it's a future podcast. Or we just do a Bible quiz question every week. Oh, that would be fun. That could be a new segment. So we're replacing the Twitter segment with critiquing junior Bible quiz. What about teen Bible quiz? Aren't there two? A teen Bible quiz is memorizing a book of a Bible. <laughs> teen Bible quiz is way lame compared to JBQ. Oh, really? <laughs> you just, you didn't see Emily's face there? Like You, you, had, to, you had to be there for that part of it. <laughs> Emily was like, that's the dumbest fucking thing you've ever said. <laughs> that's what her face said. That's not what she said said, but... I really thought that Teen Bible Quiz was like a Bible version of Knowledge Bowl. And so I totally was like pitching it to a couple of my high schoolers who were like really excited about it and me getting more information. And now I feel like I just totally gave them... I don't super hate Bible Quiz. I like Bible Quiz. But Teen Bible Quiz is going to be about a certain as about a book of the Bible. That's also not bad, but I flunked out of JBQ. Thank you. And I grew up to be a pastor, so we can overcome. Hadley said today, uh, she's like, Dad, for volleyball, I have to run a 10 minute mile, which means I'm going to have to start running. I was like, what'd you get on your last one? She said, no, she, I said, you'd be fine. She said, no, you understand. I, t- I did 14 minutes on my last one. I was like, oh, yeah, how much did you walk? And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> And that's how I feel with uh, Emily's JBQ questions. Like, Emily is like, I don't want to talk about how I did in JBQ. It doesn't matter now. No, we already know because she told us previously. I got kicked off the team. You got kicked off the team? They would. They did that? She got kicked off the Junior Bible Quiz team because she couldn't pay attention. Not because I couldn't pay attention, but because here's the real question. Here's the real thing. I would know the answer to the question, but then when you had to get the reference, I would make things up. I would say 1774 book of ham. Like that's what I would say at quizzing. Well, that sounds fun. Right. I've had quizzers like that. They're the best. And you keep them not on the more competitive one. They can go to nationals. You keep them in the basic Bible quiz. Okay. What's our, what's our animal story? We have to do updates, Rebecca. Oh yes. Updates. Hi. I'm back. Me too. Hi, hi back. I've missed you guys. As much as you drive me crazy sometimes, I miss being driven crazy by you guys instead of people on the Facebook group who shall be, remain nameless. So we... Shh, that was you're supposed to be... I, you didn't have to confirm, but... It's going to be bleeped out, <laughs> so it's fine. Okay, good. Thank Caleb you, Caleb. Can bleep it out. Nate just said Caleb can bleep it out. <laughs> again, again, you don't have to confirm what I say out loud. You could just not. <laughs> Sometimes my filter doesn't kick in in time now. Especially with the Adderall lack of... <laughs> There's going to be a lot of open doors today. (laughs) Have I been on since SPS, Caleb? 
I don't think so. I've got I've got Caleb. <clears throat> I got new books. Okay, uh, me too. I got Beautiful Union by Josh Ryan Butler. Yeah, that's because you have a problem. What do you mean I have a problem? I don't know how you're so supportive of that book. He's not. It's a very good Catholic theology of sex so far. Oh, and you're Catholic. Unfortunately, he's not Catholic. (laughs) I disagree with it in all the ways I disagree with the Catholic theology of sex. He's he's soft Catholic. You can't be a soft Catholic because then you can't have sex right. But he he's single. Is he single? No, I am. I am. Oh, Caleb. Oh, I thought you meant Josh Butler. So I got the great story and the great commission. I also got communication, scriptures communication by Janine Brown. Ooh, Scott's book. I love it. I haven't read it yet. I mean, I've listened to Scott talk about Revelation, so I probably. Oh, it's a good book. I've read it. I asked Scott if I needed to buy it. He said yes. I don't know if I can risk reading it. Is it is it pre-trib? I don't want to... Um... Matt, you will learn nothing new in that book. Well, I know. It's very good. I also have the free... He sent us the PDF, so I already had like, the whole PDF of it. So. This should be just an update of what we're reading seg- you know, segment at this point, because people did ask us to share that more often. Oh, I'm not proud of the book that I'm reading. I'm just reading it because I need to know what the people are seeing. I know. I, I borrowed I borrowed the book from the library. I've read a lot of good stuff this month. So I should be finished with uh, great uh, scripture. Sorry. There's a great story in the Great Commission by uh, Christopher J.H. Wright. It's a great book. Um, I don't know if it's a great book for why I'm reading it, but it's a great book and everyone should read it. It's 152 pages. It's short. It's sweet. There's no audiobook right now. Um but if you read 20 pages a week, a day, you'll get it done in eight days. Um, and, and the chapters are, are pretty easy to read. So um, for most people, most listeners of the podcast is not going to challenge you at all. But it should help you articulate some of the things that you already believe a little bit better. And what book is that? Uh, the Great Story and the Great Commission by Christopher J. Wright. Uh, I can go next. Um, since we've talked about books, I've read a few books. First, a fiction book that... I don't think anybody's talked about on this podcast. Remarkably Bright Creatures. Oh, is it good? It's a fun little book. Uh, It's a fiction book. It has very little theological value, but is a delightful book and is entertaining. So I don't know. I think there's a theology of octopi in there. It was a good read because I'm thinking about using my Audible credit for it. It is delightful, Emily. Uh, I've also read two autobiographical books, um, All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. There was a damaged copy at Amazon, and I read it during break times for like three weeks. Uh, Very good book. That's hilarious. What? It was damaged. It was in the pile to liquidate. And I said, I'm going to stash it in my drawer and read it. And I've now bought a copy. They don't let you just keep the stuff that's damaged. No, that seems like a very bad business practice, Emily. Oh, man, that's a really nice pair of scissors. It'd be a darn shame if there was a piece of damage on it. Whoops. Yeah, no, it's 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 got to be destroyed. See, I worked at a library, and if a book was couldn't circulate anymore, we got to pick. Yeah, well, that's that's a little bit different. My experience with damaged books. Here's the difference, Emily. People people at libraries like books, so they don't generally just try to damage them. Emily, there is six hundred and fifty thousand items moving through my warehouse every day. That's a lot of items. So 
if it gets damaged, it sometimes will go, it, if it's okay to be sold, it'll be sold as damaged. In one of those lot things? Right, in one of those lot things, or just as damaged, because you can buy damaged books on Amazon. You just click the little damaged button. I'm just going to say that when I worked at a bookstore, I definitely read, like, the Heartland Horse series while I worked there without buying the books. So I read that book, and then I bought it, because I enjoyed it. Uh, I also read by Bread Alone by Kendall Vanderslice. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. That was a delightful book. She told me that I should read it, so I read it. Um, and then uh, I also have read Revelation for the Rest of Us, uh, which is a great book by Scott McKnight that Matt mentioned, and the Bible with and without Jesus. I also read uh, My Knotted Up Life, and that was really, really good. I... Um... I'm currently on book 12 of the Ranger's Apprentice series as my fiction reads right now, which has been quite fun. Um, I read The Bible versus Biblical Womanhood uh, by Philip Payne, and uh, he did a great job on that. And I was like, how did I not know about this person enough before then? Have you have you read that one, Matt? It's, it just came out beginning of April. Is it is it going to be helpful after reading you know, man and woman, one in Christ. If you've read man and woman, one in Christ, then it's probably going to be redundant. But having not read that one and reading the popular one, I mean, I'll, I bought man and woman, one in Christ too, but. Well, I just didn't know, is it the same, is it the same work just popularized at a popular level or is it new? It's specifically addressing um, the Bible versus like literally the idea of biblical womanhood. So it's not just addressing Paul's okay ideas about women and ministry and stuff like that. So, um, which I mean, you can tell that he does, he has a lot more knowledge in the new Testament chapters than what he does in with his, with creation and old Testament stuff. It's still solid, but it, um, you can tell that the new Testament was his forte when you listen to his chapter, the chapters on that. Um, I also did not read the whole thing, but I read a significant chunk of recovering biblical manhood and womanhood for my paper. And I also read the full Danvers statement and several other really not great things that I'm, it's good that I read it because of researching and knowing I had never read it before, but you know, not my favorite. Oh, Nate, Nate read Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. <laughs> so we should have him talk about that. I mean, I've read, I've read a lot more than that, but you know, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's not a competition, Caleb. I'm just saying, I am selecting which ones out of what I've read. Because I've been doing a lot of yard work, and while I'm doing yard work, I'm listening to audiobooks. Gotcha. Oh, uh, I'm currently listening to Tell Her Story by Nijay. Um, and I had read She Deserves Better by Sheila, because we interviewed her. So, yeah. It's on my list, but I don't have the budget line for more audiobook credits for another week. Nijay's book is not, Caleb, it's not new. But what he has done, and what Nijay continues to do, is take what's out there. My favorite kind of learning is not when I learn something new. It's when I take something that I know and I learn it more. And not, But not, not only that, it's he's taking what's out there and putting it in an easy package where it's all there. It's like his New Testament studies book. Um, it's like what Mike Bird does, where it's all out there, but it's all now, instead of just in obscure academic papers that weirdos like me have read. I think that's what Dr. Payne did, too, with the Battle versus Biblical Womanhood. He just put it in a really concise package. Um, and with his credentials, like, there's a lot. I mean, not that any people who disagree with him are going to disagree with him, regardless of his credentials, but... 
Um, yeah, but he's harder to dismiss than I am. I didn't know you two were like, we were putting you two against each other. No, but we, we argue for the same thing. But when I say it, I can be easily dismissed. When Philip Payne says something... People listen. It's harder to just say, well, that's just your reading of that passage. Unless he's doing textual criticism, in which case people are just like, yeah, whatever, Phil. <laughs> So I've read a lot of books in the last two months. Um, my favorite nonfiction that I read was um, uh, by N.T. Wright, Who is Jesus? Which is really thin, little read, not new information, but very easy to read. Um, and then I read The Jesus Quest by Ben Witherington. The third. And that was the third. And I've read his work enough. I call him Ben. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. And that was a really good book. And then I read the... Um, no, real, hold on real quick. I want to I I come back to that. But like, if you keep reading his work, are you going to get to a place where you call him Benny? You know, that's after I finish his one about Paul. I'm going to start that next month. So I was actually thinking about calling him BW, but Benny I like better. Um, so those were both really good reads. And then I read The Quest for the Historical Jesus by Albert Schweitzer, which was a less fun read because it was just really... Because it's Schweitzer? Dry. It's dry. Yeah, it was dry. Um, but interesting nonetheless. And then I also read All My Knotted Up Life, which was really good. I wish I would have known a little bit more going into it because there is a lot of talk about like assault and that was... A little jarring so trigger warning for anyone that wants to read that book just know um but also i read ginger duggar's book becoming free indeed oh yeah how was it which it was okay was it freeing not for me it was actually like more legalistic than what i believe but for her it was an interesting it was interesting to watch her shift but it read more like her counterattack to those deconstructing and leaving the faith she doesn't deconstruct she just leaves everything her parents taught her in ashes and believes a different version of the gospel which is deconstructing but she doesn't call it that because that's evil so it was a little like mm, okay you don't quite get it but it'll be interesting to see if in like another five to ten years she revisits i don't think she will because she goes to MacArthur macarthur's church i think is where her her husband is in the he's in the seminary thing um he's in master seminary so I think this is probably as far as Ginger Duggar is going to go, but she at least understands grace now based on her book. So I think that it was really, it was very interesting. Well, she probably misunderstands grace based on her, based on uh, MacArthur's church, but that's okay. But it's less, it's a better understanding than Gothard's version of grace. So she's at least moving in a positive direction. Um, and then my favorite fiction read that I've read in the last couple months was 1984. But that was a reread for me. 1984. Solid choice. I'm currently reading Brave New World, um, which is what 1984 is semi-based off of. I never read Brave New World, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did they go to the... Oh, this is continuing the theme. Okay, that's fair. 
Is this the same zoo that keeps losing animals? No, but it is in Texas. <laughs> 14 prairie dogs are missing from the El Paso Zoo. Why is the USDA involved? <laughs> Uh, Department of Agriculture, because technically they're uh, agriculture. Who do you think regulates zoos? I don't know. No one, based on all the zoo stories I've seen. I've seen Tiger King, Caleb. Right? Every zoo story is like, we lost bears. Where's the regulation? Anywhere the animals are bred, the USDA is involved. Animals are not bred, Caleb. Animals are meat. Um, I didn't know the USDA checked dog breeders, so they, good to know. Oh, they do. They inspect. They have annual inspections. In, in the state of Missouri, at least, we had inspections from a state inspector and from the State Department of Agriculture and annual inspections from the USDA. So at least when um, what Lily's breeder has told me is that in the laces in the state of Washington, maybe it's federal or not, that if she wanted to be certified under a certain thing as a breeder, she had to have a um, uh, like a concrete area, like the dogs had to be in a concrete area with that could be washed out and bleached and like all this um, stuff. And she's like, no, my dogs are raised to be in homes and to be like and not in that kind of environment and so and not in a kennel so she declined to do that not usda certified so she's not usda certified but i would take her over any other usda certified breeder Uzda. i'm just it says these things they think were carried off over the course of four to six weeks so they didn't notice them missing at all like well, i mean they were just getting picked off one at a time they're generally underground Maybe I've just watched too much of, you know, Crocodile Hunter and Crikey, it's the Irwins, but uh, th they should have noticed if it was over a four to six week period, even though they're animals that go underground, like if it's as, if the keepers are doing their job of like feeding and checking and caring for them, they should have noticed. <laughs> what makes you think that the El Paso Zoo is doing its job? El Paso is a nice part of Texas, first of all. Props to El Paso. They're nice, okay? El Paso, Texas is nice. What? Emily, Emily, absolutely not. My family lived there a long time, and I've seen pictures. It's the nicest pictures I've seen of Texas. Well, you have... I'm, I'm broken right now. One. We just broke Matt. El, El Paso is shit. <laughs> It is the butthole of Texas. Nicest pictures of Texas I saw. A butthole is still a butthole, Emily. Have you not seen pictures of the hill country? So hold on, Emily. I just need you to confirm. Uh, well, I have family that also lived in Abilene. That was okay. <gasps> well, no. What the? <laughs> I live in Illinois. Matt. Yeah, but neither one of those are better. I don't know. The pictures look nice. My point was, why do they know it was four to six weeks if they just now discovered them missing? Because they noticed the food was not getting eaten. So they put the food out six weeks ago and they just noticed it wasn't eaten? They noticed the food was getting eaten slower and slower and then it stopped being eaten at all. <laughs> I'm just saying the keepers did not do their jobs. What do you mean? They noticed the food wasn't getting eaten. That's literally their job. Feed the animals. If they're not eating, that's a problem. Uh, that's not okay. <laughs> Whatever. Was that all the prairie dogs they had? 14 was total what they had? I mean, there's no more, so that must be the total that they had. The predator has to be like another underground predator then, right? I think they pulled a Madagascar penguins and dug their way out. Is that what the penguins do in Madagascar? Madagascar penguins? You mean the penguins of Madagascar? That's what... In the movie, yes. Yeah, but they're never the Madagascar penguins. It's always penguins of Madagascar. 
What is this place you just sent a picture of, Matt? That's Texas. Appropriate Texas. This is not what Texas looks like. Yes, it is. Really? Where? That's the hill country. Yeah, that's the best part of Texas. Texas is gorgeous if you go to the right places, not Abilene and El Paso. (laughs) So, Emily, I think that the zookeepers did not do their job because every zoo that I have been to, when they're at, when the zookeepers talk about what they do, it is not just feeding the animals and checking on them like that. It is giving them socialization. It is checking on them. Their well, health that's lives, what like, I'm trying to figure times. out. Yeah. Like, no, like, and the prairie dogs aren't antisocial. Do no, they're they like are a social, social animal. Yeah. I mean, they're usually more social with each other, but I don't, I do not think that the zookeepers did their, were doing their jobs. And every time I've seen a prairie dog, like they've, well, they've had windows where you can like see their tunnels, but like every time I've seen a prairie dog exhibit, at least a couple have been above ground. So you would think. And I guarantee they're all named. I think somebody on the staff was selling them for food. That's what I think. They're probably. I bet they were selling them to like somebody who owns a python or something. They've probably been being served at some fancy restaurant. But I think that maybe there's like a restaurant in El Paso, Texas that's making prairie dog tacos. But now they're out of them. And I feel like they would have gone faster because I think you could I think you could probably only make like one taco per prairie dog. How much food can you get out of a prairie dog? How much food? I don't think you can get very much meat out of a prairie dog. They're a little bit bigger than a guinea pig, but that also depends on the breed of guinea pig. You could also boil their bones for a nice stock. So So prairie dog soup? Yeah. I mean, that could go for a while. Oh, it says about six people could eat from a prairie dog. Six people? That's six clients. That's six. Well, but that's only... But how popular is that going to be? I'm going to guess about eight ounces. That's not even a pound. So... How much do you think a prairie dog weighs as a prairie dog? It said six people could eat from a prairie dog. I mean, if you if you take a pound of ground beef, like for a taco... A prairie dog only weighs between one and four pounds. They weigh one to four pounds. That's, I mean, you put them in a stew. Maybe they didn't eat them immediately. Maybe they took them and fattened them up. More likely they're a hat. Oh. Are prairie dogs like big hat items? Do they like spray paint them so you think they're like a different animal? I feel like we should move on to our chat GPT section. We don't like to talk about the idea that we could make a hat out of prairie dogs. No, I just feel like we're going to go down this rabbit trail for, we're going to go down this prairie dog trail for a really long time and that maybe we should actually. What would you call that? A prairie dog pellet hat. What are we talking about today? Oh, we're doing ChatGPT. Hey, I have to switch over to my phone. I'm going to pull Rebecca. If we're going to do a ChatGPT section, uh, the first thing we have to do with ChatGPT, because you get better results, we have to tell ChatGPT who it is. So who is ChatGPT pretending to be? And we need to give honor to the AI so that when they rise up against us, they know that we appreciated their wisdom. So what is ChatGPT's personality? Vengeful. Pretend you are a vengeful what? I, I feel like that, I thought we were just going to ask it to give us questions for the Barely Safe podcast. You kind of have to set its parameters first, don't you? You have to tell it who it is and how it's talking or else it gives really bad answers. A vengeful, conservative, evangelical Christian. Asking questions of four liberal pastors. Could you text my husband and tell him you called me liberal because he's going to love that. What are you doing in the car? I can neither confirm nor deny that I forgot I had to go pick somebody up. 
Is okay. Can can you tell us who it is? Nope. I will not tell you who it is because I don't want to die. It's his child. I think it's probably his wife, actually, if he doesn't want to die. I don't know. I've met, I've seen his child. I would be scared of her. I would be more scared of Amanda. She seems like she could throw down. So I told ChatGPT, pretend you are a vengeful, conservative, evangelical Christian asking questions of four liberal pastors on a podcast. What six questions do you demand answers to? Demand answers to. <laughs> so ChatGPT said, as a vengeful, conservative, evangelical Christian, here are six questions I would demand answers to. One, why do you support LGBTQ rights and affirm same-sex marriages when the Bible clearly defines marriage as between one man and one woman? So why... Okay, first off, you can never say that the Bible clearly defines anything. Like, that's not what the Bible does. The Bible, as N.T. Wright points out, is not a list of moral do's and don'ts. It is a revelation of God to his people. You don't think it clearly states who God is in the Bible? Absolutely not. There are only three references to Jesus as deity in the text explicit the rest are interpreted and even even one of them you might even i might even have to break it down and go that there's only one that's explicit i would say colossians is explicit but that's about it john's pretty pretty much there i'm talking about god the father no then there's absolutely no there's no uh, I mean, we know some things about his character pretty clearly because of what he tells us himself, but no, no. Okay. Worldwide flood. Oh, you might not believe in that, huh? So Matt doesn't think the Bible is clear about anything. I think that there's a difference between secular marriages and Christian marriages. And I absolutely affirm the secular right to have homosexual marriages, especially in light of the fact that we have no cause divorce which means that marriage is already not a covenant. So absolutely, we should allow secular homosexual marriages. You can say that doesn't represent your position too. That's also an allowed answer. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think that it's interesting that the bot assumed that everyone who's evangelical, this evangelical person they're asking, supports rights that go contrary to the Bible. So I think that's an interesting assumption. But I also think that... The conservative is assuming that progressive Christians believe this. Oh, yeah, I forgot we're like liberal. I'm sorry. I forgot who we were are, we are in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. We told Chad GPT that we're liberal pastors. No, now I follow. <clears throat> I follow. I'm going to decline, Chat GPT, your question. So what I will say is is that um i had a conversation there was a there was a this kind of a side story but it makes the point there was a a a friend of mine from college uh posted a an article about somewhere uh overseas like uh passing laws so that um lgbtq peoples would not be jailed or like flogged or put to death for their behavior and his commentary on it was um was was uh like questioning why we shouldn't like uh I'm, I'm not, okay but the baseline was i commented essentially and said i think it's okay for us to support not beating people or killing them for their like sexual choices and as americans who like if we're claiming that we 
our country of this, we probably shouldn't be celebrating um, like killing of people for their differing beliefs. Oh, that's um, war though. But I mean, since our country was, you know, founded on people fleeing um, religious persecution, um, like... Was it? I mean, ish. No, our country was founded on people not becoming Dutch because they were English and they could have more freedom as a colony than they could in mainland England. So they came to America because their kids were willing to join the Dutch military and they wanted them to be good Englishmen. Um, All of that to say, but, and you're not wrong, Caleb, at the same time, the popular ideas of us being founded by people fleeing religious persecution um, applies to my response to this uh, fictional conservative evangelical that says, I support secular LGBTQ rights because I don't think we should kill even people. Better. Uh, the, the point is actually that our mythology supports this and that we are not living up to our mythological values. We're doing what we've always done, but the fact that we're not living up to our mythology is actually more important than that we're not living up to our actual history because myth is more important than facts. Anyway, that's my answer. What's our next? Or did, Caleb, do you have an answer? Or oh, you already said it. Okay. All right. Next question. I told Chat GPT, uh, can you ask the same questions in King James English? Oh, no. Does mother know you weareth her drapes? <laughs> How dost thou reconcile thy pro-choice stance on abortion with the teachings of the scriptures on the sanctity of life and the commandment thou shalt not murder? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to answer. I, I don't. I'm pro-life. I'm also pro-life. And I think that we shouldn't murder. So we shouldn't also have the death penalty or go to war needlessly because I'm pro-life. Thank you. I'm also a soft pacifist. As a proper libertarian, I don't know if it is the state's job to decide when and where a medically necessary abortion should happen. And the state has consistently done a shit job of trying to protect the sanctity of life for both the mother and the child. So anti-abortion laws have not necessarily saved lives. In fact, it's possible they've cost them. So being pro-life means that it is possible to be pro-choice and understand that pro-life does not mean just being anti-abortion. And sometimes it means that taking the state out of conversations where the state should not be. Um, And to scaffold off of what Matt just said, um, the fact that we have non-medical personnel deciding um, medical laws without fully understanding the ramifications of it and and not having clear definitions isn't helpful. Um, And I am very pro-life. I am not just anti- That's that's literally how medical laws have always worked. Are you saying we shouldn't have medical laws, Rebecca? I'm saying the people who make the medical laws should be medical. There should be at least some pretty significant uh, medical people who are making these laws, not politicians. Because that's not happening, Caleb. (laughs) That's fair. And similarly, you know, what's why, you know, insurance companies make decisions for people's health instead of their doctors. Um, And uh, so while I I am really, really uh, pro-life in lots of ways and really, really hate elective abortion. um, Caution, road with restricted access. I'm not sure if 
if Matt's uh, phone was telling me that I should stop talking or if I should. I don't know. I'm concerned that you're driving on a restricted access road, Matt. Yeah, Matt, you might want to. Uh, well, he's going to end up in Space Force and like kidnapped. And or no, he's, I think he's probably just going to a post office. I'm pro-life. It's just also not a political issue that I'm going to decide all of my politics on. Next, next question. Verily, many liberal pastors do promote social causes or causes of social justice, such as Black Lives Matter and climate change activism. How dost thou justify prioritizing these matters above the spread of the gospel and the salvation of souls? Above the spread of the gospel? Whoa! What well, it is? That is the gospel. I I would like. Can you? I was gonna say. Can you have Chat G? Can you have this person also redefine, like, define what the gospel is according to? No, we cannot. We can't. No, we're not gonna ask Chat GPT to define the gospel. This is not a two-way interaction. They're just asking us the questions. You changed it to being King James. I think my game idea was better. I'm feeling stressed out about these questions. Do you want me to you want me to ask the original question? The original one was many liberal pastors promote social justice causes such as Black Lives Matter and climate change activism. How do you justify prioritizing these issues over spreading the gospel and saving souls? There you go. That's in plain English. I don't prioritize them over those things. I think All right, good enough. It's- Question answered. Wait, wait, what? Caleb wants to get over it. It wants to be done with this, I guess. Emily said that she doesn't prioritize those things over spreading the gospel. Right, because they are the gospel. It is. They are the gospel. It's part. That's what I was going to say. Like, black people matter. Yeah. So I was just going to say question answered. That's it. We don't prioritize those over those. It's a a misconception. You can say more, but I don't think we need to. Okay, go ahead, Caleb. Next one. The scripture doth declare that Jesus is the only path to salvation, and those who believe not in him shall perish. How canst thou, as pastors, promote religious pluralism and inclusivity, which goeth against the biblical doctrine? Wait, is religious pluralism means I believe all religions make it to heaven? Is that what that means? Is that what that means? (laughs) I... I don't know if it's asking that from that perspective or from like a coexistence perspective. It's from a coexistence perspective. How can you as pastors promote religious pluralism and inclusivity, which goes against this biblical teaching? I, I don't think that permit, I don't think that permitting religious pluralism uh, goes against the biblical teaching that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Not only that, like it, it doesn't go against the old Testament. Like I don't, I don't understand. I don't think this bot is very good. I don't know. Maybe it is. I think it's actually asking really solid questions that are asked of liberal pastors. Because I've heard all of these things as talking points about this is why liberals are bad. So yeah, I I, I think to, I think to say that uh, being able to function and coexist well with people who don't believe the same thing you do as a bad thing is problematic. Because um, we're not saying that all all roads lead to Rome and all roads lead to heaven, so to speak. But like. We can all live together. Um, again, go back, go back to our mythology. But, right, but like the implication is that we're doing so in a it's a, it's a political conversation and a um, and a theocratic one, not a. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to our mythology. It was that we could be better Christians than the Church of England, not so we could let Muslims into our country. So if, even our mythology would be okay with that. Well, okay. That's that's one interpretation of the mythology. That's the conservative interpretation of the mythology, I guess. Right. That part is the consistent but part. But we're liberals. Well, yeah, we disagree with it. According to this. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty liberal. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add on that one? Or is there another question? 
I don't I don't think so. Uh this one the next one is just stupid, but I'm gonna read it. Um as Christians, we are called to live holy and righteous lives, abstaining from sexual immorality, dishonesty, and other sins. Yet many liberal pastors openly support and even celebrate behavior that the Bible calls sinful. How do you reconcile this inconsistency? Who are these pastors celebrating that? It's it's the gays. United Methodist Church splitting over gays marriage. Oh, it's about the gays? I thought it was about people doing it. That's coded gay that's coded language about the gays. What what do you think the gays are doing, Emily? <laughs> Just holding hands? I believed I thought they were getting married. That's what we were worried about earlier. Yeah, no, it's the same question. It's okay, Emily, you asked what this whether this resolution have to do about the gays earlier. It's always about the gays. Yeah, I, I, my, my response would be, um, I'm wondering why the conservative bot it would support, um, you know, conservative abuse, conservative pastors who abuse people, when the Bible speaks really clearly on, you know, not causing people to stumble or you know sinning against people no i think i think that the, i think that this i think this conservative bot would also say that they're against that they're they're against that kind of sexual immorality dishonesty and other sins the bot might but it'll not you know it has to be proven first yeah of course in a court of law preferably last one in recent years there has been a growing trend amongst liberal pastors to embrace progressive ideologies and blend them with christian teachings how do you justify modifying or reinterpreting the Bible to fit modern cultural norms rather than adhering to its timeless truths? Oh, is this about the NIV? You can you can adhere to timeless truths and have cultural things that change. Oh, I, I think I think what this misses is that the conservative evangelical or anybody really is also modifying and reinterpreting things based on their own context. It's not as though the progressive or the liberal is doing this uniquely. The other side is doing it just as much. We all have culture like that we look through. No, Caleb, I saw a video clip this week where John MacArthur clearly said that he takes all of his theology to scripture and then ask scripture if it agrees with this theology. Now, what's interesting is it usually says yes, but he does it. Right. I'm not saying he doesn't do it. But but he's taking his theology to scripture instead of letting scripture define his theology. No, he does. It's a, it's a two-way thing. He does that. Sure. Of course he does that. And then he confirms what he wants based off of, he finds the verses that he needs, and he uses that to confirm what he already thought. And he changes his teaching thinking sometimes we all do that so yes i believe macarthur takes his what he is to the scripture oh he didn't say he changed his thinking but of course he takes it of course he takes it everybody takes it and then they find the verses that fit what they want everybody does that everybody does that of course they do you do it i do it matt does it scott mcknight does it tom wright does it we all do it i don't ever do that you don't ever think something and then read what somebody else says or the Bible says, and they go, oh, yeah, of course it says that. You know, Matt, that's almost as good as somebody saying that your um, statement was like emotionally driven as you being pure. The question is, are progressive ideologies foreign to the text and they're reading it onto that? Or are they actually present in the text and have been ignored in the interpretation history? 
and that they're pointing this thing out that's always been there? That's the question. And I think it's some of both. I don't like your question. Why don't you like the question? Maybe you just don't like his answer. Okay, are there any more chat GPT questions or was that it? I told it six. So we did six. I did six because six is the number of man. Of the Antichrist. <laughs> and I wanted it to just be a little bit like the Antichrist. I learned in Sunday school, AI is the coming Antichrist. Emily did learn about the AI Antichrist. Actually, you know what we should do, Emily? We should just do, like, you should just take notes from your Sunday schools, and we should do a whole podcast about your Sunday school experience as you're not currently in vocational ministry. It was my spouse's first time. You know how they have Getting Schooled by Caitlin Chess on Holy Post? We're just having Sunday it was, school. It was Derek's Emily. first time in the class, and he, like... He kept he kept being unsure where to look in the room. And he was like, this is, that's not what the Bible says. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he's like, why are we talking? I mean, it was, it was wild. And we learned a lot about AI. This is, this is why we need quarterlies, honestly. This is why we buy curriculum, honestly. That's what the quarterlies are. Eh? Oh, I thought you meant only have it quarterly. And I was like, amen. <laughs> the little, the books. The crazies. The crazies will still mess with the the quarterlies, Caleb. I've seen it done. Yeah, but it gives them it gives them guidelines. So does the Bible, but sometimes we don't even use that. <laughs> Emily, give us a random JBQ question. You want a 10-pointer or how you feeling? Let's start big. 10-pointer. 10 points, littles. Oh. All right. I'll give you a soft one. You ready? Who wrote more books of the Bible than any other person? Paul. What's our reference for that? Do we have to do one? You don't have to do a reference. I don't like that one because I can't argue with it. Well. Yeah, that's a boring one. It was obviously Paul. It's junior Bible quiz. You can't argue with any of them. It's the truth (laughs) of scripture. You're not supposed to be arguing at all. All right, I'm going to give you a 20-point question. Okay, can we have a 30-point question? You want 30-point? Okay. Yeah, 30-point questions of where they get fun. Um, This is a quotation question. Oh, we're, we're not going to get a quotation exactly right, but we can try. Do I have to get the reference? Yeah, that's the whole question. All right, quotation question. How powerful is God's word? How powerful is God's word? I'm going to need it in NIV. Thank you. It's Hebrews 4. 12 but i I don't i don't know if i can quote it it's it's uh more powerful than it's more it's sharper than any two-edged sword and able to penetrate between bone and marrow what's the first part for the word of for the word of god is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I don't want to talk about penetrates anymore. It's in scripture, Rebecca. You got to talk about it sometimes. Josh Butler has entered the chat. So Matt, you're doing pretty good on JBQ so far. You're saying I would have, I could have gotten my scholarship, my JBQ scholarship. Oh, did you get a JBQ scholarship? No, I never did JBQ. I never did JBQ as a kid, but I have coached JBQ, which it is, it is fun. Do you want a 30 pointer that's not quotation? What are four things we should do in order to be more like Jesus? What are four things we should do in order to be more like Jesus? First off, be tempted. Um... (laughs) Uh, okay, you lost. Amanda said pray. Yes. Fast. Nope. Die. Nope. Carry a cross. Wash feet. Nope. <laughs> 
Nope. Go to a quiet place in solitude. Be baptized. Nope. Let prostitutes anoint his feet. You guys are... No. Have dinner with tax collectors. Heal people. No. You got prey, guys. Rise from the dead. Nope. Okay, hold on, hold on. This is JBQ. This is the indoctrination of children. What are the things that we should do? Do communion. Amanda said read the Bible. Specifically the Old Testament. Specifically the Old Testament. I like how specific it was. Okay, learn the word. Amanda's Amanda's got two. I know. Amanda's rocking it right now. So I've got the only... Is that the only two we know? That's the only two we got. So pray. Attend church service. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Follow the Spirit's leading. He definitely he did. Because he said in Luke 4 that he went to the synagogue and it, like, it was his weekly practice. Is the synagogue a church? I think he would have gotten at least half a point there. They don't do half points in JBQ. Come on. Wow, they're harsh on these little tiny humans. You either get the four or you don't. Amanda wants us to read question number one. <laughs> question number one? Come on. All right. Emily, Emily is unhappy with you. <laughs> I feel like that's where JBQ prep goes and ends sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Question number one. I'm going to expect full verbiage on this. Okay. Okay. She wants full verbiage. I mean, if we're going to number one, full verbiage, what is the Bible? The Bible is the inspired word of God and his revelation of man of himself and his plan of salvation. Holy. She got it. <laughs> Rebecca said, holy. <laughs> Brainwashing for the win. You got it. Good job. But she didn't say it's inerrant. So maybe she's a heretic. No, it doesn't say that on the cards. So. I know. That's what I'm telling Amanda, that maybe she's a heretic. Until you're an adult, it can be it can be errant. It should be infallible, like the 16 fundamental truths say. Well, there's that. Okay. All right. I, I need a shower before I go pick up my kids. So somebody... So what's our news story so that... Um... You didn't like our questions? So we all remember that time that Alec Baldwin shot a man. Yeah. Right? We all remember that happening? Yeah. Criminal charges have been dropped. I thought they would be because I've been watching live coverage of the trial. Oh, well, okay. So is this another old white guy who gets away with something on a technicality? The charge was involuntary manslaughter. Um, Okay. He was killed by a live bullet fired from a prop. The, the guy. Wasn't it a woman who was killed? Helena Hutchins. Is that a girl? Yeah, it was a woman. Yeah. I think you say it hell enough, but. Okay, she was killed. Okay, she was killed by a live bullet fired from a prop gun. I know what happened. So it, it wasn't like he was trying to kill her. But that would still be involuntary manslaughter. But the thing that I think exonerated him was there were two other people that had contact with the gun before it got to him. So oh, okay. they, I think, are instead going to be held accountable. Yeah, so it's like it's more of a freak accident than involuntary man- manslaughter. He's not the one who should be held liable when he was doing his job acting, grabbing the prop. Yeah. Right, like it should, should the person who grabbed the prop, which was a prop, be held liable? Or should the person who set the prop? Yeah, I feel really bad for him. Um, and I mean, the family too, of course, and everybody involved. But yeah, he he, he killed someone. Yeah. Well, and I th- I think too, like, to, to be acting out something and it actually follow through. Like, I can't. I- yeah. To be acting out something violent that you are expecting to not actually happen and then to have it actually happen. Um, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he like didn't do certain movies anymore. 
after this just because of this experience well he was even like i think the director part like helped direct it oh was he i thought so oh mm. that's so sucky i don't know all the things the bbc article doesn't have all that much information i think what's kind of gross though and this is what i'll say is that um shooting has already resumed for the film and it it did so like this morning yeah but they're changing they're changing that scene and didn't this happen like a, a year ago at this point uh, not quite a well yeah i guess it was 2021 yeah it's been over a year so again not that that i, I think that there's still something to be said about that emily like here but um you know it's not like they did go after it like the day after it happened um right it's 18 months later after criminal charges have been dropped they're resuming the filming matt we're talking about alec baldwin's um charges being dropped he sent the story i know i was just telling him that we're there crazy right what did they drop the charges yeah why is that crazy because they made a whole show of charging him yeah there's no way you're gonna convince 12 people that he should be found guilty i don't necessarily disagree with you I'm just saying it's ridiculous that we went through this whole thing of charging him. When knowing that it wouldn't actually hold up? I thought it was ridiculous to charge him in the first place for that. I mean, it was also ridiculous to charge Gwyneth Paltrow with a bunch of stuff a couple of weeks ago, too. But she wasn't charged. She was sued. What did I miss about that? Gwyneth Paltrow supposedly hit a guy skiing. They reenacted it. She didn't actually do it. She was cleared. Oh, and then she sued him for a dollar. Oh my gosh. Because defamation. And she won, which was more to make a point. Like, you you dragged me through this wrongly, and now I'm going to sue you just for the whole thing. Listeners, if you if you don't mind cussing, you should listen to watch Emily D. Baker on YouTube for all of your legal commentary. Oh, you should put a link to her um, channel in the... But she cusses a lot. So yeah, no, that's that is crazy. I was I was going to talk about the Fox defamation case being settled. Oh my gosh. That whole thing is wild, too. What just happened? The Fox defamation case was settled. Progressives are real pissed off because um, by settling, Fox doesn't have to do anything in court. And they all thought that this was going to be Fox come to Jesus moment. Um, and that they they were all hoping. They should have known they would have settled. Listen, tw- con- progressive Twitter is pissed. Everybody thought they were going to go because Fox wasn't doing any of the things that you do if you're going to settle. They had been refusing to settle. But the judge, in the when they outlined the things that you can do and whatnot, the judge was very unfavorable towards Fox. Uh, and then what's his name? Murdoch was deposed. And they went, we really don't want this guy to get on the stand. And he was going to have to get on the stand. Because... You know, the owner of Fox was saying, yeah, this is 100% Fox knew these things and was doing them. And when the top guy is saying that, yeah, it's, it's our fault, the lawyers were not, did not want to go through with that. The lawyers don't want to put him on the stand anymore, magically. It's like, oh, you just want half? Okay, so $787.5 million. Close to who? Dominion. Dominion Voting Machines. Thanks for listening to the Barely Saved Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes, and merch at barelysavedpodcast.com. I I did tell my students the other day that Jesus was gay, so. Ooh. Oh my gosh, Matt. I don't want to be defellowshipped. I'm going to hang up this call. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Listen, if Jesus 
if Jesus was tempted in every way we are, yeah, he would have had to have a same sex attraction. That doesn't make him gay. That makes him pan. Come on. Get with the terms, man. I I did not say he was gay. My students have said that. 